Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. We are in the uh, book of James. This series is called Genuine Faith, and I love the book of James. James was the Lord's brother. He became the leader of the early church in Jerusalem. He was a man of prayer and faith. And he wrote the book of James in the New Testament. And he shows us what genuine faith looks like in everyday life. And today, I want to talk to you about how to successfully endure a trial. How to successfully endure a trial. Now, my daughter plays volleyball. And I'm going to volleyball games now all the time. And uh, was talking to a pastor the other day at the volleyball game. I said, hey man, how you doing? Good, how are you? And uh, he said, what'd you preach on Sunday? And I said, well, I'll tell you a quick story. And I told him about Chippy the Parakeet that Max Licato had talked about a long time ago that didn't see what was coming. His owner wanted to clean the cage, and, and uh, the phone rang, and all of a sudden, Chippy sucked up into the vacuum cleaner. And then when he's taken out with all the dirt and the soot, you know, he's put under a, a, a water faucet. Now he's shivering and he's wet, and then you get a hairdryer. And so I talked about how, you know, Chippy the parakeet was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. And he goes, oh yeah, I've been there. I said, yeah, I have too, right? Like we've all been through a trial at some point where we felt like we were sucked in, uh, we were washed up, and we were blown over. And that can steal your joy, that can unsettle you. But it makes you get to the point to where you realize when you are in a trial, and we will face trials, it's not a matter of if, it's when. When we face a trial, the issue is how are you going to respond to it? And so we talked about how to turn a trial into testimony last week. Today we're going to talk about how to successfully endure. Because what I've learned in life is we need staying power. You know, you can carry something heavy for a little while, but the longer you hold it, what happens? the heavier it gets. And you and I are that way when it comes emotionally, mentally, uh, spiritually, uh, and, and the issue is strength. And it made me think of an old Matthew West song that came out years ago called Strong Enough. And he really captures in the lyrics what you and I feel when we, when we make the decision, Lord, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to respond to this? He says, he says to the Lord, this is written to the Lord as a prayer, uh, Lord, you must, you must think I'm strong to give me what I'm going through. Well, forgive me. Uh, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but this looks like more than I can do on my own. I know I'm not strong enough to be everything that I'm supposed to be. I give up. I'm not strong enough. Hands of mercy, won't you cover me? Lord, right now I'm asking you to be strong enough, strong enough for the both of us. Isn't that what it's all about? And then he says, well, maybe, maybe that's the point. To reach the point of giving up, because when I'm finally, finally at rock bottom, well, that's when I start looking up and reaching out. I know I'm not strong enough to be everything that I'm supposed to be. I give up. I'm not strong enough. Hands of mercy, won't you cover me? Lord, right now, I'm asking you to be strong enough, strong enough. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not strong enough, but Lord, you are. And that's why we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's when we run to the, when we get to the limit of what we can do, now we're scratching the surface of what God can do. And when you and I lean in and depend on God, that makes all the difference in the world. One guy said, trials are the things that make us, not break us. 
Let me say that again. Trials are the things that make us, not break us. Now, I don't know if you believe that, but what I want to do here for a moment is I want to look at three different things in the New Testament that give us the big picture about trials. And then we'll zoom in on James and talk about how to successfully endure a trial. So what I want to show you, first of all, is that trials are a test. We talked about this last week. I want to read it very quickly. James 1, verse 2 through 4. James opened his letter saying, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, not if, but whenever you experience various trials. There's all kinds of trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, when we go through various trials, we can choose to have a joyful attitude. Why? Because we know that God uses trials to test our faith, to strengthen our faith. So in other words, the first thing I want you to realize big picture-wise about trials or they're, they're a test. They're a test. You know, someone said the difference between school and education in, 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 the real, in the real world called life is in school, you study the lessons and you take the test. In life, you take the test and you learn the lessons. I'd say there's probably something to that. But here's what I want to, to tell you here is that James is saying, listen, trials are a test. They're an opportunity to see what you're made of, and they're an opportunity to see what God wants to do in your life and through your life. But not only that, trials prove your character. Look, if you will, at Romans 5 for a minute. In Romans 5, now keep in mind the context here, in Romans chapter 4, Paul spends a whole chapter in Romans 4 talking about how we're justified by faith. Just like Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And with that thought in mind, in chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by God, that's the righteousness of faith, uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now stop there for a minute before I read the rest of it. Look at what he just said. Think about this great salvation we have. We've been saved by grace through faith. We've been justified by our faith in Jesus Christ, not because of anything we've done, but because of what He's done for us. And now we have access through Him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we now rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice that, hey, I've been saved. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I know the Lord. I'm going to be with Jesus one day, and I'm going to be with Him forever. And that alone is awesome, isn't it? I mean, that's good news. No wonder it's called good news. That is awesome, but that's just part of it. Then he elaborates and shares a little more. more. He says, and not only that, in verse 3, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. See, we not only rejoice in the hope of a better future, you know, the hope of the glory of God, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Have you ever gone through a trial and you passed the test and and when you got to the other side of it, you're like, on one hand, you're like, boy, I'm glad that's over. But on another hand, you look back 
And because you passed the test, you have a testimony. You can say, look what God did. Look how God guided my steps. Look how God protected me. Look how God provided. Look what God did in this situation. And as a result of the experience, now it's very personal to you when you say, if God can get me through this, I believe He can help you get through what you're going through. And all of a sudden, now, it's not just the hope that we have in heaven someday, but it's the hope that we have right now to get through what we're going through. And it, this, this endurance that we develop produces our character. It molds and shapes our character. And as a result of God changing us and making us more like Him, we now have hope. Why? Because we know this thing is real. We know that God is real. That not only is it going to be good then, it's good right now. And that makes all the difference in the world. Then there's Peter in 1 Peter 1, verse 5 through 7. Peter said, You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Again, it's like we're looking at the end game here. One of these days, we're going to be with Jesus. And we're going to be with Him forever. No more sin, no more death, no more disease, nothing like that. No more tears. And it's going to be awesome. But not only is it good for then, it's good for now. He says in the next verse, you rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. Again, here's a group of people that are going through trials and they know that it's going to be better someday, but he's reminding them it can be better now. Not that God may change the circumstances, but God can do something in you that man can't touch and man can't change. And so he says here, you rejoice. Uh, You suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which through though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? He says God is refining our character. God is refining our character. Just like gold is purified in the heat, and and the dross and the impurities melt away, and it magnifies the, the purity of the gold. When you and I go through a trial, and we trust God day by day, step by step, He refines our character. He makes us a stronger person. He makes us a better person. He makes us more like Jesus. Amen? And as a result, now we're the walking billboard of hope. If God can do it for me, guess what? He can do it for you. And so when you look at this big picture here, I've just read from James, uh, Romans, which Paul wrote, and 1 Peter, which Peter wrote, And what I want you to realize is all three of these guys, James, Paul, and Peter, they're all saying the same thing. They're saying trials are a test. It tests your faith and it it proves your character. And so when you find yourself in a trial, how do you successfully endure it to get to the other side where you can say, I passed the test, I now have a testimony, look what God did, Ain't God good? That's what God's will is for us when we're going through a trial. It's to successfully endure it. And I like what Ron Phillips said. He said, the trials that God allows to come our way are never for an evil purpose. Now, I want to say that again because it's very profound. And we'll talk about that along, uh, along the way of this message today. But he says, the trials that God allows to come our way, 
are never for an evil purpose. Now that's very important to realize. And we're going to go to the book of James now. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. And I'm going to show you why. Okay? How do we successfully endure a trial? Number one, don't blame God. See, here's the thing. Whenever we go through a trial, or if we're in the middle of a trial and we fail the test, the first human tendency is to blame God. I mean, it's as old as the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned and God appeared to them, what did Adam say? He said, that woman that you gave me, what was he doing there? First of all, he was saying it's Eve's fault. But not only was he pointing the finger at Eve, he was poking God, wasn't he? Hey God, that woman that you gave me, you catch that? Blaming God. Blaming God is as old as time. And so when it comes to successfully enduring a trial, don't blame God. There in James chapter 1, verse 13. No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone. Now, I love this. You know, I use the Christian Standard Bible translation, and I love this because... Just a quick side note here. In verse 13, no one undergoing a trial, depending on your translation right now, that could say trial or temptation. It's the same root word in the Greek, and what determines the meaning of it is context. Okay? And so, but if you look at James here, beginning in chapter 1, verse 2, he's talking about trials. In verse 12, he's talking about trials. Blessed is the one who endures trials. And I believe in verse 13, the very next verse, he is talking about trials. And so that's why he says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. Here's what I want you to see here. God doesn't tempt us, okay? Uh, The Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. God doesn't tempt us, okay? He is pure and holy and righteous and and all of those things. That is not in His nature or even in His character to tempt us. The devil is the one that tempts us. And so when we're undergoing a trial, we can't blame God by saying, God, you're tempting me because God is not the one that tempts uh, us. And God is not tempted Himself and He doesn't tempt us. Anyone. Matter of fact, God's nature is to be holy and righteous and pure and, um, and perfect that the very thought of sin is repulsive to Him. Okay, It's not in His orbit. It's not in His nature. It is repulsive to Him. So don't blame God when you're going through a trial. If you do, it's not going to work. Okay? The second thing that I would say to you is don't yield to temptation. Look in verse 14 and 15. He says, But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. 
One time someone said that's the LSD of the New Testament. Lust, sin, death. Lust or evil desire leads to sin and sin produces death. What a lethal, what a lethal combination. That's what happens when you and I are tempted. He uses fishing metaphors. Uh, when someone is tempted, he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. If you ever go fishing and you have a lure on that line and you throw it out there, it entices the fish. That's one thing. But when they take the bait, they're hooked. And that's the same thing that happens inside of us when we are tempted and we yield to temptation. Now, it's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus, when he was on this earth, was tempted by the devil three times. But he said no, no, and no, and he quoted the word of God one, two, and three times. So you and I can be tempted, but we don't have to yield to temptation. And so how do we successfully endure a trial? We don't blame God for the trial, and we don't yield to temptation. There's a third thing we have to do to successfully endure a trial, and that is don't be deceived about God's character or purpose. Look, if you will, in verse 16 and 17. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Man, so much there. Don't be deceived about God's character and purpose. Someone said one time, God is not a shady salesman. If you go back and you look at the images that James uh, embeds in this text, he talks about how every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. God doesn't change like shifting shadows. If you go back to New Testament times, they didn't have the technology that we do today. They would use a sundial. You know what a sundial is. You've got a circle with different marks on it, and you've got this uh, piece that stands up right like that, and when the sun comes down on it, it shows you what time it is, like a clock. And as the day progresses... The shadow moves. The shadow that's, that's the, the, the sunlight that's coming down on that sundial, it casts a different shadow as the day progresses, and it shows you what time it is. You and I, when, it looked, when we look at the circumstances of life, things change. Life is not like a Polaroid picture that's static. It's like a video that's dynamic. It's always in motion. Things are always changing around us. And yet God is changeless. Jesus Christ, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible says, I, God, change not. He is consistently who He is. He is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. He's a loving God. He's all of those things and more. And He does not shift like the shifting shadows. He he is consistent in who He is. And so don't be deceived about God's character or purpose. Now, let me go back and tell this a different way. Think about Job for a minute. You remember Job in the Bible? He was an upright and righteous, blameless man. The Lord said there's nobody on earth like him. 
And God allowed Job to experience a trial. Matter of fact, the devil came and had a conversation with God. We read about it at the very beginning of Job. And we realize that the devil tells God, God, Job is just serving you because you bless him and you protect him. If you let me, if you let me take away his blessings, he'll curse you to your face. And of course, you know what happened? In one single day, Job lost it all. God, God, God gave Satan permission. Okay, go ahead, but you cannot touch him or take his life. And in one day, Job lost everything. He lost his ten kids. He lost all his herds and cattle and flocks and everything he owned in one day. Just like that. And you know what? In all that, the Bible says, he didn't curse God. Matter of fact, he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The next thing you know, conversation number two between God and the devil. The devil comes and says, God, you let me take away his blessings, but let me touch him. Let me let him let me touch him so that you know I put him through a lot of pain and agony and he'll curse you to your face. And God says, You can touch him, but you can't kill him. And the next thing you know, Job breaks out in sores and he's in pain and he's just full of misery. And guess what? He doesn't curse God. Matter of fact, his wife at this point says, Why don't you just curse God and die? And he says, I'm not going to be foolish. You know, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. If we can praise Him in, in the good times, we can praise Him in the bad times. In all of this, the Bible says, Job maintained his, his integrity. Now, why am I telling you the story of Job? Because if you look at how to successfully endure a trial, Job did not blame God. He never did. He never blamed God. And he didn't yield to temptation. He didn't do the wrong thing. And not only that, but he wasn't deceived about God's character or purpose. His issue was, I don't know what you're doing, God. And he kept crying out to God, God, where are you? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. And then people come to him, and they were supportive at first, and then his friends turn on him, and they say, man, I don't know what you did, but you did something wrong, or this wouldn't be happening to you. And he goes, I haven't done anything wrong. I'm going to maintain my integrity. I want my day in court with God. And they go through all these debates, all these debates. And finally, one day, at the end of the book of Job, a storm comes. And guess what? God's in the storm. And God speaks to Job. And I mean, my goodness, he rattles off like 80 or 90 different questions. Hey, Job, what do you think about this? Da, 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 da. He's rattling off all these questions. And, and it really puts Job in, in, in his place. Finally, Finally, when the Lord stops talking, Job is like, Lord, I'm going to close my mouth. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know what I was talking about. You're God, and I'm not. And Job learns to trust God, even when he doesn't understand why did this happen to me. He trusts God anyway, and he comes through the trial. And he learns the lesson that I can trust God no matter what. And the weird thing about Job is, at least based on the, the book of Job in the Old Testament, to the best of our knowledge, he never finds out about the conversation between God and the devil. I guess that'll happen in heaven. And in the end, God blesses him. He has more kids, 
and he has even more herds and flocks and cattle and so on and so forth, and God blesses him. But Job is a picture of how to successfully endure a trial. He didn't blame God. He maintained his integrity. He didn't yield to temptation. And he wasn't deceived about God's character or purpose. Matter of fact, once it became clear about the character of God and the purpose of God, he just said, there's some things that are too great for me to know, God, but I trust you. At one point in the book, Job says, Lord, though you slay me, yet I will trust you. In other words, this hurts and this is painful and I don't understand what's going on, but Lord, I'm going to trust you anyway. And when you and I have that faith and that outlook, you and I can successfully endure any trial that we find ourselves in. So today, I want to ask you, where are you? If you're in a trial, this resonates with you. If you're coming out of a trial, it gives you some perspective. And if you're about to go in a trial and you just don't know it, it gives you some instruction. But wherever you are in life right now, whether you're going into a trial, you're in the middle of a trial, or you're coming out of a trial, it's my prayer that you and I will successfully endure the trial, that we won't blame God, we won't yield to temptation, and we won't be deceived about the nature of God and His purpose. And when we do that, then we can come through the test and it can be a testimony. Now, here's the rub, and I want to kind of end with this. You see, I told you this root word, trial or temptation, it's the same word, but it depends on context to interpret it. Why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Because God doesn't tempt us. That's what the devil does. So whenever we go through a trial, God sees it as a test. It's something that we go through and we learn to trust God and He strengthens us. And through that test, we get a testimony, a fresh experience of who God is and what He can do in our life. And it emboldens us to say, hey, if God can get me through this, then He can get you through it too. That's the ideal. That's what God wants. But here's the thing. We live in a fallen world. The devil is real. And the devil comes along... And when he sees you in a trial, he sees it as an opportunity to tempt you. He wants to draw you away from God. He wants to do whatever he can to get you to blame God or to yield to temptation and take matters into your own hands or to doubt God's goodness, to question his character or his purpose. No matter how he does it, if you follow that path, then you've already gotten caught up in the trap that he sets. And so, I like what um, I always get D.L. Moody and Billy Sunday confused. Two great preachers in American history. But one of them said this, God is for you. The devil is against you. You've got the deciding vote. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond when you face a decision? How are you going to respond when you face a trial? Are you going to see it as a test that God can take you through and give you a testimony? Or are you going to view it the wrong way and get, get caught up in the trap and blame God, yield to temptation, and question God's character or purpose? The choice is really up to you. Let's stand. We're going to have a time of prayer.
as musicians and ushers come forward, let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you for this time, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart. Lord, have your will and your way in this service. Lord, we want to trust you. Lord, we want to pass the test. Lord, we want to be found faithful. And Lord, when we come through the experience, trusting you, walking with you, we want to have a testimony of your goodness and grace that says, Lord, thank you for bringing me through that. And now I know you can use me to minister to other people that are going through the same thing. Father, have your will and your way in this service and in this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Right now, our ushers are going to uh, collect um, the offering and these next step cards. And um, just turn this in. I look at each one, whether it's a prayer request, whether it's a, a decision you want to make or a conversation you want to have, that's what I'm here for. It's my prayer that you'll do what God wants you to do. We all have trials. The Bible says we have trials of many kinds. And it's not a matter of if, it's when. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, there will be moments in your life where you will find yourself in a trial. And it might really rattle you. It might disturb you. You might think, you might go, Lord, where are you? God, what's going on? Why is this happening to me? And I pray the Holy Spirit will take the, the truth from His Word this morning and call them to your remembrance when that happens. And you'll realize, I don't have to blame God. I don't have to yield to temptation. I don't have to be deceived about what's going on here. I can trust God and pass this test and have a fresh testimony of the goodness and grace of God. And at the end of the day, I can say, Lord, thank you for getting me through what I've gone through. And now you're going to use me to help others get through what they're going through. Lord, have your will in your way today as we sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.